0: Well, here we go for a uh, Friday as we uh, get you set for the weekend. It's uh, McCowan. It's Shannon mm. on the program and uh, hockey Pucks are joining us uh, today. Um, I suspect we're midway through the Stanley cup final. You, you, you think it's uh, over in four? Well, I called Tampa in five. Yes, she did. I, I'm not sure it's going to go that long. Yeah. And um, I'm quite certain that no one else will agree with me, but the things that I suspected would happen in this series have happened. Yeah, um, and I think it's going to be a rough road for the Montreal Canadiens from here in. Yeah,
1: interesting. Interesting thing. G- game three, the Friday night game, is obviously the most important. That's, I mean, that's the, my captain obvious moment for the day. Um, but I, but I'll tell you what, it will be painful um, if Tampa wins tonight. There's two days off, Bob before game four it, it will it will feel like forever before the game four on on monday if montreal does not win game three that that to me is where it, 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 this is it tonight to me this is the series if montreal well, is able I honestly to john around, i think
0: i think montreal has to win the next two anything less than that and and um this thing is going to end my, there, my, They're my down only one.
1: My only argument is, is that they they were down three one once already in these playoffs and still won. But yeah, but that, that was you, against that was the Toronto Leafs. Your, that Maple Leafs. That, that was your Maple Leafs, yeah.
0: Not my Maple Leafs. Oh, your yeah, Maple the, Leafs. No, your and, Maple Leafs. And and they're the ones that, that you know bring the ammunition um, uh, to shoot themselves in the head. No,
1: no, they bring it. They bring a knife to a gunfight. That's well, okay.
0: <laughs> uh, this Tampa team is a completely different animal.
1: We, you know, I, and and as much as we. And as I said, I admit I picked Montreal to win. Uh, And, hey, listen, we've had Cooper on. John Cooper is one of the great people of our game uh, and has coached a really good team. Um, I I just think there's always the belief that Tampa's good, but can they be this good? And every time they get their backs against the wall, they prove to us that, yes, they are. They are this good. Yeah, they they are, are deep. They are deep. Their goalie is good. Their defense is big and fast and mobile and mobile. You know, that's the, that, that, that's, you, you almost want to sit there and say, and and I, I, I admit this, I almost wanted to, to call the bluff that they can't be this good. And they are.
0: They are. Yeah. And they're good in the places where you need to be good. When you get to the Stanley cup uh, uh, oh. playoffs and especially the Stanley cup final goaltending in the blue line, they're as good as any, they're well, they're better than everybody. And, and I think that was something that was overlooked by a lot of folks. But mm-hmm. that being said, we'll see what our guests have to say today. Uh, Jim Houston will join us, who needs no introduction, from uh, Hockey Night in Canada. And Joe Micheletti is doing color for the radio, uh, for, radio for the um, NHL final. And uh, they will join us when we come back after these messages. Well, the uh, Stanley Cup final is... Uh, two games done and, uh, maybe halfway done, uh, depending on your viewpoint at this point, Jim Houston, uh, joins us along with, uh, Joe Micheletti, who, uh, is doing the NHL final is in Montreal now. Well, I don't know how many predicted it would be two, nothing Tampa. I'm not particularly surprised. Huey, are you?
2: No, not really. Um, and, and I'll preface that by preface this, by saying that, um, having counted Montreal out in three series already, <laughs> I I really truly believed in them by the time the final started in the first game because I thought this is not an accident. You know, I'm finally convinced they're a really good team. But then I look at the other side and not only are the, the Lightning, the defending Stanley Cup champions, but <clears throat> they have an incredible wealth of experience. Um, most of these guys have been together since about 2014. They're all in that neighborhood of 80 to 100 playoff games they've won a championship so we none of us should be surprised that they're actually up two to nothing.
0: Joe do we overrate the significance of experience especially in the playoffs?
2: No I don't think so I I think that
3: I think if you look at Montreal Bob and the thing that's been so impressive to me is that when they acquired uh, players that had won uh, a Stanley Cup uh it almost, maybe not immediately, but over the course of time. And certainly when the playoffs started, it helped elevate those players that, that did not have the experience, you know, they, that, you know, you know, to me, you get a player like Suzuki who's 21 and, and yes, he's a very good player, but I think the addition of those players with the playoff experience have helped him and some of the other younger players, including Kotkaniemi, um, and even Caulfield uh, elevate their games because there's a comfort level that these, that these experienced players, uh, bring with them. And I kind of expected that that first game that Montreal played, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about in our pregame was, you know, how are all these young players that played so well for Montreal, especially to me, especially Suzuki, who I thought maybe was the best player in that series against Vegas. Uh, now how are they going to do with this new experience of never having played in the Stanley cup final, and uh, and I think to a certain extent you kind of expected that, but then you know the bounce back that Suzuki in particular had in Game Two was kind of what we've seen, and so so I think the experience helps these young players reach a new level.
1: You know I, I think if there is one level of frustration for Montreal, it is that um, I think they probably believe they outplayed Tampa in Game Two, and still lost, and and that that might be the the most telling. Tale of, of what we've seen in the first two games, particularly that second period where Montreal had opportunities. Tampa, on their power play, was absolutely anemic. And, and then there's Blake Coleman scoring with less than a second play in, in, in the second period to take the lead and become the game winning goal. That, that, you know, the test for Montreal, in my opinion, and, and Jim, maybe you can jump on this, is, is how they react to playing so well. And losing in Game Two,
2: without question. But but there, that goes back to the part we were talking about about experience. That's so we've seen that over the years. A, a team like Tampa, with a wealth of experience, not playing a particularly great game by any by their standards, in particular, being outplayed by Montreal. But they didn't just fly apart. They didn't uh, come unhinged and open the game up and think, oh boy, we better get going here and try and you know, get some goals. They just kind of hung with it. Um, took, the, took the punches that they were taking and you don't have to apologize for having the best goaltender on the planet. And Vasilevsky was the best goaltender in that game and looked like the best goaltender on the planet at times during that game. So that's, I mean, that's for me, that's a mark again of the experience when you've played hundred playoff games, you learn to weather a storm And you become opportunist and that's exactly what Tampa was and it will sting for Montreal and I'll be really interested to see how they react to it.
0: Uh, John mentioned the power play, Joe, um, Tampa's power play looked like they had it on a string looked, you know, um, untouchable in game one, less so in game two, is there a reason why power plays come and go? I mean, there's no doubt that Tampa has the skill set to make that power play devastating. But like every other team days come when you, it doesn't work. And, and, and then other days where everything fits into place. Do you have an analysis of this?
3: Well, I think, I think a couple of things, Um, you know, first of all, you know, Montreal finally gave up a power play goal in game one. Mm -hmm. And as we see throughout the history of playoffs that when teams and even this year in the regular season, because teams play back to back and sometimes uh, teams played uh, other teams four straight games. And so there was a little bit of a playoff scenario. And you hear coaches say, you know, it's like the playoffs. And so every game is another adjustment. And I think you give credit to Montreal for the adjustment that they made. They got back to the penalty killing that we had seen prior to this series, where Montreal, their aggressiveness up the ice, their, their, the pressure that they put on and the, the way they read the plays in their own zone, uh, the difficulty that they put other teams through in gaining their zone. And then when all that breaks down, you're goaltending. And Carey Price, you know, is obviously, you know, had a, had a, you know, a, f- a fabulous playoff run. So I think that Montreal made an adjustment. And if you think about how bad the Tampa Bay power play looked, I think it was because of the way Montreal played, they didn't give Kucherov as much time, they didn't get point as much time. They got to the points a little bit quicker. So the times when Tampa Bay had had a chance to then set it up and back off Montreal is when they were at their best, but it didn't happen enough.
2: Hey Joe, just to, to follow up on that too, the, one of the things we always watch for on really good penalty kills is block shots and good sticks. And mm-hmm. so even when Tampa in the second game, didn't get anything out of their power play, they still got their setup and they still got that puck over to Kucherov. And how many times did he not get it through to the net or was wide just because there was pressure there and good sticks.
1: Hey, do you,
3: do
2: yeah,
3: you, I, I, <laughs> I was just going to say, just a follow up to, to Huey, um, you know, again, that, that's kind of part of what their mantra is. Yeah. Do anything it takes to win, including the block shots and the, and the good sticks, which you have to have on the penalty kill. Sorry, Bob.
1: No, well, not at all. Joe, do you do you think Montreal can play from behind?
3: I don't think they're nearly as good from behind. I mean, you know I, I, that that takes a little bit of step back. But when you when you see them get a lead, which has been really their their team focus, and when you say, "Well, what's their strategy?" You know, for Montreal, it's get the lead and then not necessarily back off but play a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we've seen throughout these playoffs, they come out in the first period and if they can get a lead, they, they look like a different team. So can they play from behind? I think game two tells you that they can because of, uh, you know, they just had at least half their team on an individual basis was better in game two than they were in game one. And probably more than that. I mean, the fourth line, which was terrible in game number one, suddenly looked like they did in some of the other games. So that helped them helped them get to the net. Uh, The Suzuki line uh, that we talked about earlier was so much better. Um, Their centers as a group that their centers had one shot on goal in game number one and Suzuki alone had nine in, in game two. So I think there were a lot of reasons to believe that, uh, that, that they can come from behind, but you know i'm like i'm like you guys you know vasilevsky won the game won the,
1: the game. only the only reason i asked that because jim said that you know they didn't they, they tried in the third period they were down one and then they were down two but can can they afford to open the game up jim against a team like tampa that isn't that in in, in the end in the end the crux of if montreal is supposed to do anything if they don't have the lead
2: yeah and and you're absolutely right i mean you have, the answer to that question is no. They can't afford to open it up. They just don't play that way. Right. Um, but Tampa learned that too. I mean, they don't open it up. So they've they've learned over the years that you're not going to win too many six three hockey games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And we've seen them win one to nothing. We've seen them win two to one. I, Montreal needs everybody going. They they almost need the the perfect storm to beat Tampa. And one of the one of the big differences for me that I've seen as the playoffs have gone on, and in this series in particular. Is Tampa is now deeper than they've ever been, uh, especially if they can get Kalorn back in the lineup because of uh, the line of Yanni Gord, Barkley Goodrow, and Blake Coleman. That I don't think was at their best through the first part of the playoffs, but now they look really good, and that's really difficult. That makes makes things really difficult for Montreal just because the match game is so difficult when you have to play against you've got to come up against three different lines and they're all really good. And the fourth line isn't bad either, but uh, I think it makes a bit of a difference and it should make a bit of a difference for Montreal on home ice to be able to get a little better matchup. And, um, but but Tampa is a, such a hard team to match against because they're so deep and I don't think Montreal can afford to, to open it up at all. We've seen what's happened to Montreal when they turn the puck over, Tampa puts it in the net very quickly. And we know,
1: you know, you know not play- we know, we know Colorn's not playing in game three.
3: You know, the, the, uh, the other thing, guys, is that when I think of teams that have to open up the game because they're behind, uh, to me, you have to have a group of defense or at least a few back there that can get involved in the offense. Montreal is a team that they're not a high scoring defensive group. You know, I mean, they don't have those offensive players, even though Petrie you know, had a good season for them offensively. He's still not the type of player that 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 you would say join the rush, lead the rush, make an individual play that helps get you back in there and and open things up from defense. Whereas to me, Tampa Bay is a, a better team if they have to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh so for me, Montreal to open things up, I, I, I don't I don't know if that I don't know if that does anything for me because they really don't have a group of defense back there that you would uh, that you would have to say, boy, watch them joining the rush because they're so talented offensively on the back end. They, they're not that type of team to me.
0: We're with Jim Houston, Joe Micheletti. Um, in the probably hundreds of playoff series that um, the four of us have watched over the years, almost invariably, we talk about this, and it comes to pass that goaltending wins and loses most series. Um and it may wind up being this way again. But at the beginning of it, I think we thought we were seeing probably the two best goaltenders in the NHL, at least the two best goaltenders right now in the NHL. But so far, Huey, this has been a one-way street. This has been Vasilevsky being great, and Carey Price all of a sudden being, well, ordinary. And I I don't know how to term it, because he really hasn't given up a bad goal, has he?
2: I don't think think so i mean you can you can quibble over a couple of you know maybe the the first goal that was scored in game number two yeah but I but I give him a pass because he's so good at it. The you know the problem he had was that a couple of the errors that were made in front of him made it almost impossible for him to make a save. I think of Joel Edmondson's reverse behind the net and the giveaway to Andre Palat. That's a there's another m- mark of the experience of Tampa Bay. That's a guy who's who didn't pounce on the giveaway and shank it, put it off the glass. He knew exactly what he was going to do with it. He was calm and collected and banked it off price and into the net. So um, I don't think that I wouldn't say for a second that Kerry has been bad at all. It's Mm. just that Vasilevsky is impenetrable and the Canadians, because of the way they're structured and the way they play, Kerry really doesn't have much room for error at all.
0: Well, um, how similar are the two styles between them? Kerry Price seems to be a, the most fundamentally sound goaltender I think I've ever seen. Um, he does. He, he makes very few mistakes. Sometimes he doesn't get to the puck, but Vasilevsky a little bit more adventurous, perhaps. Joe, uh,
3: maybe athletic is. Uh, yeah, that is, might be the better is, term, is the better word. Um, because I think he's. I think he's sound, and and I think that I think the stat that uh, that we had or used, I, I believe, seven of the first eight goals that were scored in the series were deflected. Mm-hmm. And so I think Carey Price has been better than ordinary in this in this series, um, but I think that the one thing that the three previous of opponents of the Canadians weren't able to do as much as they needed to was get to the middle of the ice and grind and get there and try to get deflections and screens on Carey Price Tampa Bay, certainly in the first game, I thought Tampa Bay was, was excellent. You know, first goal deflected in. The, the other, They just kept on you know, finding a way to get there, which made things a little bit more difficult uh, for Montreal, for Carey Price and, and, the, and the defense. So you know, I, I think to me that was the biggest difference for Montreal that they didn't have to face in their first three series is Carey Price was able to see most of the shots and then had to make some spectacular saves, either when he didn't, or on the number, or a few rebounds that he had to face, but Tampa Bay's been been different as far as using that that grit and determination and whatever you want to call it to to get to him. You yeah, know, the, I,
0: I, I'm not arguing any of that those points, but here's the reality: um, Carey Price's save percentage is about 850. Um, what we all know is that's usually not good enough to win too many hockey games. And and Vasilevsky is about a hundred points better. And um, that's usually plenty good enough to win a lot of hockey games. I think that no, speaks I more. To, I,
1: th- I think that speaks more to team defense than it does the goaltending, though. More, more well, than more. Than, I, I don't disagree. You're, 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 the numbers are are bang on, Bob. But to me, this this is where when you think about, and we've we've talked a ton in four rounds of playoffs about you know Sharat, Weber, Edmondson, uh, and Petrie. But then we we haven't really talked as near much about. Headman, Sergachev, McDonough. Who is I, I don't know. Is he is, is he the most underrated, really good defenseman in the National Hockey League? Perhaps. You know, Joe, you saw you saw him play a ton with the Rangers. We've seen him a ton play in Tampa, yeah. uh, and and you know, and Eric Chernak, Eric Chernak has become a star. Uh, yes, through, he has through yeah. this through these playoffs. So all of a sudden, as much as great the depth we think Montreal defense is. Uh, Tampa's better. Tampa is I, better.
3: Yeah, I don't think I don't think Montreal has as much depth as as they need. I mean those those fifth and sixth guys are still only playing 10 or 11 minutes. Yeah. They you know, I, I mean it's you know, I I I keep I keep thinking, well, when are they going to get worn out? And I think back to the last time, I believe it was the last time Chicago won the cup and they won before defense, right? They yeah. just played them, played them, played them and and they were getting banged and they just kept and they didn't have quite as much size as Montreal has but they had more agility and more ability I think to move the puck Um, and with with you look at them I mean their smallest defenseman is Ruta at 204 pounds other than that they're 215 and and more including a few that are over 230 and 240 so we talk about Montreal's size on defense and their ability to bang people and keep keep everybody So I'm with you, John. I mean, the defense for for, uh, for Tampa Bay is a better overall group.
2: And you're right about Ryan McDonough. This is, uh, we saw that this in the bubble last year too. He just, uh, there is no, he reminds me of Kevin Lowe. He just like, when he goes into the corner, he's either coming out with a puck or a penalty. And it's, he just battles so hard and he blocks shots and he plays half the game. Then you add in, Sergachev, who is a revelation to me has just come along so well and did in the playoffs last year. And now he looks like a star and he can get up the ice and he competes and battles. And Chernak is kind of the same way. Mm. And so they're, they're, they're so deep back there that there again, it, it makes it really hard to match up because uh, if, even if you don't get the forward matchup you want, and they might not on the road in Montreal, they can always have really good defensemen on the ice against anybody. And they don't have to be fearful of getting their third pair stuck out on the ice.
0: We're with uh, Jim Houston, Joe Micheletti. We'll take a quick break. Come back with more after these messages. It's McCown, it's uh, Shannon. Jim Houston is with us from the West Coast. Uh, Joe Micheletti is in Montreal and covers uh, the uh, NHL final, and we'll do so again in Game 3 tonight. Uh, intriguingly, uh, there is never a shortage of opinion uh, going into any playoff round in any sport, almost. <laughs> uh, everybody in the media jumps on board, and somewhere you can find a list of people and who they think is going to win. And as often as not, um, those of us who do this on occasion are wrong um i f- i still look back at at before this series started and the number of people that actually thought the Montreal Canadiens would win this series um, and john shannon is raising his hand Hugh you might have too huh um and i'm i'm honestly i'm honestly shocked by it and i go back if for nothing else and listening to you guys talk about we know, we know Tampa has the best goaltender in the NHL right now. You guys were just talking about how great their defense is, and it is. And they have guys that can put the biscuit in the basket. Um, how is it possible that people, for lack of a better term, underrated the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning in this series by suggesting yeah. that Montreal could beat them? Joe,
3: you've had the wrong guest, Bob. <laughs> your problem. You, you you gotta get some smart people on.
0: Well, I, we try we try, we just can't find any. <laughs> and but it's not just the people on this show. I mean, I've I've read online and um and elsewhere, you know, there were a significant number of people that sincerely and really felt the Montreal Canadians would maybe, win, this series, including maybe, my friend Shannon.
1: Maybe we believed in fate or hoped in fate. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, is that a reason to, uh, to pick them?
2: You know, the, it's, it's partly because of the way they, the way they won the games. and we look at, You look at the first three series, and they didn't win by accident. You know, that just doesn't happen. You I'll get give two, you three rounds. So that's why people became believers in them because of the way they play a team game and could shut down good offensive teams.
0: But this was the 16th best team by record 18th, 18th actually, 18th best yeah going into the playoffs. well the 16th <clears throat> going into the playoffs and well i and and so I, go, go ahead joe
3: yeah no i, I was just gonna say bob I, um, I think what montreal did is they made a lot of believers out of people that thought that they would struggle to make the playoffs and sure. especially with the way they finished and i remember i, I remember working game four of montreal toronto And when the game ended, I said to my broadcast partner, I said, Montreal's toast. They had no life. They had no scoring chances. You know, there was nothing there. And, and then I, and then I heard Kerry price in the post game and he was cool and he was calm and he was saying, I don't worry about the scoring on this team. I go against these players. So I think he did something and helped that team in a certain way And once they got a little spark, which he obviously needed to be great in game five and got a little spark. And then things started to turn. I, I still think that they're probably a little bit too young and not as good as Tampa, but you know what they showed in game two, that they could have won that game. They were the much better team throughout, but as Huey said, you know, you got to count your goaltender as part of your team. And, and it was, it was a, it was a clear win. I think that Montreal still thinks they they can win. And when you hear Carrie price said, it's just belief. That's what it is. It's belief. It's belief. It's belief. And so they think they're going to win tonight. I wouldn't doubt it. I still think we're going back to Tampa. I don't think it's going to be a a sweep. I still think in the end Tampa wins, but uh, there's something that Montreal's got going that's made of made believers out of a lot of people,
1: including John Shannon.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't. I'm not sure Shannon's ready to give up the ghost on uh, on Montreal winning. No, you, I, well, well here,
1: here's here's you, you. And Joe, just to
0: just to, to
1: to look back when you say they found a spark, and the spark was their penalty kill, that was their spark. Uh, the fact that that they knew that they, in fact, at one point they had scored more shorthanded goals than they had allowed power play goals. I mean, that's and if that's not a confidence builder a, above and beyond what Carey Price was doing for them, I don't know what would be.
2: History tells us that you can live in the playoffs when your power play sputters, but you cannot live in the playoffs if your penalty killing isn't great. And Montreal, has they've, they've been fantastic mm-hmm. throughout the playoffs. I think for, for me now, it's fascinating to watch Game 3 because Montreal will be at home. The match game changes. They can get the last change, um, and they will throw everything that they possibly can. They will throw their best game at Tampa and again i look back on experienced teams this is this is the this will be a real test for tampa and if they hang around early in the game and don't let themselves get out of their game and get behind they'll be fine and that's where an experienced team knows exactly what's coming and they should be ready for the storm that that w- should be the montreal canadians in game 3
1: joe the the, the match game uh, includes the having their head coach back uh, yeah. Montreal. Uh, how mm-hmm. how much difference having Ducharme do the matching versus what Luke was trying to do in the two games in Tampa? How much difference will that
0: make?
3: Well, I, I think the I think the one hard match will obviously be, be uh, Denoe against Point. Even though Point and Kucherov uh, didn't contribute offensively in game number two, and uh, and certainly Suzuki was better. I, I think where it helps getting Ducharme back and they had such communication as to what they wanted for matchups. But I think with Luke Richardson going back on the other side on the defense, you know, with his group of defensemen, that might be, you know, even, uh, uh more of a positive, I think for Montreal, uh, I, I still have some doubts about whether those four can play that many minutes and you, you're not going to be able to, you know, bring in the other two and, and, um, uh, so I think with maybe with Luke Richardson back there, that might change a little bit.
0: Uh, there's a couple of points here, one on either side that I want to get into a little bit. I don't know how all of us categorize a dynasty in any sport, but is it safe to say if you win three straight Stanley Cups, you know that puts you in a in a in a very unique category historically. Does it make you a dynasty, Huey?
2: I don't know. We throw that word around for teams I know. all the time. And uh, I just know that whatever happens here, Tampa Bay is one of the best teams I've ever seen play the game. Yep. Well, they're they're, they're really, think. really good. And they have been since about 2014-15. When the core of the group came together, they've grown together. They play together all the time. And, you know, I think is was Chicago a dynasty. They didn't win consecutively, but they won three. Um, three out of five, right? Yeah. And I mean, that's dynastic to me. It's a, so I don't know if you, nobody in our era has, and probably ever will match the Islanders winning four straight or what the Canadians did in the seventies. I just don't think the league allows that anymore uh, because there are so many good teams, but so if you, I don't like to use the word dynasty, but for the last, for a 10 year period, Tampa is as good a team as we've mm. seen in the league.
1: I think they, you know, I, I, I do think um, when you talk about what Tampa has done and, uh, you know, I, I think the definition of dynasty has changed because in, particularly in this sport, uh, when you consider what cap management and player contracts and collective bargaining has allowed you to do or not to do, I mean, I think Chicago was a dynasty uh, in, the, in the post-cap era for the amount of impact that they had f- truly for a decade. Uh, in the, in the, in the game, uh, t- Tampa wins. The, if Tampa wins this year, I, I think they're on the verge of it. I don't think they're there yet. Uh, I think they have to win another one. It doesn't have to necessarily be three consecutive for me though, to be a dynasty. Anyway. No,
0: and the, I think that's my point. I mean, and, and a perfect <clears throat> example in another sport is the new England Patriots who to the best of my recollection did not win three in a row, but no one would question who the best team in the NFL was over the last 10 years. Would we? Damn, I mean, about right. fifteen. <laughs> well, Okay. Right. That's, no, that's, and a, I, thats a dynasty. Yeah,
3: and I and I, you know, and I agree with Huey. I mean, this Tampa Bay team has been good for a long time. Yeah. You know, for a long time. And you know, are are, are they going to have another nine or ten million dollar player? That's that's going to have a surgery and keep them out next season, so that they can keep this team together. I mean, it's under the rules. I mean, they didn't break any rules, but the, you know, the problem is that you know, they ended up winning when they changed some of the, they didn't change the core, Mm -hmm. but they changed some of the pieces. And that's what it took for them to win. And so now you've got some of those pieces that are going to be unrestricted free agents on a team that's really trying to keep it all together with the cap. And so can those pieces that they're probably going to lose with Coleman or or Goodrow or, you know, maybe some of the defense, uh, are they going to be able to replace that to keep that element of this team, which they have been proven that they needed to win uh, together?
1: And, and, and they're going to, they're and going to lose. Love- an, they're going to lose another body, uh, a valuable body in the expansion draft. Sure. Just one. Just one. Right. But they're going to lose one, uh, right. and more. More. Th- in fact, I would I would argue that the expansion draft will affect Tampa almost more than any other team because they're so deep
2: probably right and and you know to to your point about dynasties bob um it's darn near impossible to do what we would consider to be what what one of the greatest feats i mentioned the islanders winning four in a row in a cap system and especially now with a a pandemic affected cap system that is flat it's really going to be hard for these guys to win again unless they can find they're going to lose a couple of pieces of the important pieces that joe talked about unless they can find them somewhere again. And that's, boy, that's that's the real test for Julian Breezeball, the general manager, isn't it? Because he knows he's going to lose a player to expansion. He knows that he's going to lose a couple to free agency, but he's still going to have this dynamic core together. And he's going to have to find some pieces to fit in where some have had to drop off because there's a couple of guys that are going to take off and get some big money elsewhere. And that's such a different thing to deal with in the National Hockey League now than it was 20 years ago when, when one team could win for years and years and years.
0: Well, you raise an interesting point there, Huey. Um, let me get your reaction to this. Uh, Tampa Bay wins this year. I'm, you know, obviously we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if they do win this year, it's two consecutive Stanley Cups, but both of them during pandemic affected seasons. Will, will there be an asterisk At some point in time, besides either of these two victories.
2: Certainly shouldn't be. Not in my estimation. I watched uh, every game they played in the bubbles of Toronto and Edmonton last year. And I thought it was a real credit to the players, given the circumstances that they had to play under, the lives that they had to live that that was a completely legitimate Stanley Cup championship I and mean, watch the bodies that fell and how mm-hmm. Dallas disintegrated physically Colorado. just because of the way the games were played so that you know it was uh, it was full on great playoff hockey it was just weird because there was nobody in any of the buildings and this year's a little bit similar Uh, And it will be, it will seem a little more similar to last year while they play in Montreal because there aren't as many people, but um, it's great to see that the fans have returned in America and it looks pretty normal, but I don't think there's any asterisk beside anything that they've done in the past couple of years. We'll all have an asterisk in our lives and beside (laughs) everything that's happened in the last 16, 18 months, simply because our world has been completely different, but they've
0: carried on and
2: been terrific.
0: Joe agree. Disagree.
3: I, I think asterisks get applied to teams that no one expects to win. And I, I think if you, if you took a vote over the last eight, 10 years, uh, Tampa, Tampa Bay is always a team that I think most people say have a real legitimate shot of winning the Stanley cup. Now, if you take, uh, I think if Montreal won this, I think there would be, uh, people that would attach an asterisk to that because they said, well, hmm. nobody expected them to win. In fact, there was a good chance they wouldn't have made the playoffs. And yet they got in because of this new, this, this new system yep. playing in the North division and uh, we're, we're able to win it that way. I think some people would attach an asterisk to that, to them, I should say, but not to Tampa Bay.
1: Here, here's the other thing is, and, and uh, before the bubble, you guys remember this uh, and the players deserve credit for this you know there was a push um, particularly from the league side to make the first round of the playoffs a best of five and the players went back and said no 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 we, we, we cannot compromise the integrity of the tournament we have to have four rounds of the best of seven uh, and because because in our lifetime we've had two 48 game seasons and the play and 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 the playoffs have been normal four seven round series and there's no asterisk uh for the chicago blackhawks in 2013 there there's no asterisk there um there should be no asterisk on on uh, for me for either team because the playoffs uh, when you look at the guiding record book 15 years from now you're going to be able to say that montreal won their first round series in seven their second round series in four their third round series in six and whatever number if they still do win and tampa you can go through the same thing the the tournament, the Stanley Cup tournament, has not been compromised. Therefore, there should be no asterisk.
3: Yeah, I think, it, and I'm referring to asterisk people, which I, I am not one. Wow, but, wow. but there are those that, that want to find sure. a reason why somebody shouldn't have won it. And I'm with you. If Montreal comes back to win this thing, I'm not putting an asterisk next, next to them. It's a great story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there will be those that are out there that are those types of people that will apply
0: Uh, Last thing from me, um, and this, I will be accused of being premature in asking this question, but uh, Lord knows when we get the next opportunity to chat with you guys. So uh, when all is said and done, regardless of how this thing unfolds, as of today, are the Montreal Canadiens the real thing, or is this one of those fluky scenarios that pops up every now and again in sports? And they will not be a contender next year. Hugh, you want to take it?
2: Um, yeah, I think we just, uh, I think a couple of our, our guys just, John and Joe just answered that question to a certain extent. they You don't get to the Stanley Cup final by accident. They didn't come trippingly along and accidentally get to the Stanley Cup final. And I mean, I'm one who thought they were going out early. Uh, <laughs> I didn't think they could handle Toronto. Um, but in Toronto kind of imploded, didn't they? But it, so I, as, as I've watched them go along, what has made me think that they had a chance and have a chance in the Stanley Cup final is the legitimacy with which they played, the way they played a team game, the way some of their young players, Suzuki, Katken, Yemi, uh, Caulfield, rose to the occasion at the most difficult time of the year and together beat really good teams. So it, it remains to be seen what they will be like In the years to come Um, but I think that all of the moves that they made were to to get to where they are right now and the problem is for some of those guys like some of the people who have been real great contributors for them the contribution hasn't been so much in putting pucks in the net but for guys like Eric Stahl and for Corey Perry the contribution that they have made is their experience and their their older guys so I'm not sure that whether they'll be back or you can replace that. There's, there's the difficulty in moving forward, but you hope that they've passed along what they know to the young guys and Nick Suzuki can take off and pick up where the older guys have left off. So that's a long winded answer to your question. I think they have a chance to benefit from the experience and be just as good.
0: What do you expect from them, Joe, next year?
2: You know, I, I think of a, I, I go back to a conversation,
3: um, that I had with, you know, and, and Daryl Sutter, I'm sure has told other people, it wasn't just me, but, but in, in talking to him during those years in, in Los Angeles and, and winning and, uh, you know, talking about some of those young players that he had on those teams, and Tyler Tafoli was one of them, um, about, and well, the way he put it was, you cannot put a price on the experience that these players go through to get to this level. And I remember as a player and I didn't play all that many playoff games, but I played some. But when you step on the ice for the first Stanley Cup playoff game in your career, it's different. You feel different, your mind thinks differently. It's like, you know, listen to Nick Faldo when he talks about getting to a Sunday. You know, when you get to a Sunday and you're on the leaderboard, or you're leading a tournament, you've never been there before, it's a different, your hands feel different, everything feels different. And that's true for these players as well. So I think the criticism of the Canadians in the last number of years was, "Well, we got these guys, they've been around, they, you know, there's no youth. Who's coming up? We need a centerman. Well, I think now that, the, that you have Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, Caulfield that are going through this experience right now this is going to make them, they're going to, they're going to be so much better as players and their understanding of what it takes to win is something that you don't get unless you go through it. And so I, I, this is going to be a huge boost for Montreal with, especially with these young players uh, into the future because of where they are right now.
1: And and there there are Canadians fans right now saying you're right, Joe, but, well, that's why they need to play Romanov. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I, I I I liked Romanov
3: when he got in the lineup. Oh, play, so did I. I was surprised. I thought they should have put him back in. Yeah.
1: But anyway, here, here's how many the other, more time here, do we have. Here, here here's here's the other here's the other thing to remember. Uh, if the schedule that they put out uh, at the end of July uh, comes to fruition, and we're all hoping it does. Montreal is going to be playing against Tampa in their division, Florida in their division, Boston in their division, Toronto in their division. And I am now officially putting Ottawa on that list. Cause I think Ottawa is really a good young team. Uh, if they can fix a couple of things and maybe get a free agent or two, all of a sudden Montreal could be a better team next year and might not make the playoffs. Yeah. And that's the reality of that. That's the true. old division system.
0: Well, and Dallas, Dallas was in the Stanley cup final a year ago and uh, how'd they do this year? That's right. So all kinds of funny things can happen over time.
2: It is, it is the nature of the league now. And there again, to your point about dynasties, that's why it's so hard to be a dynasty because there were days in the national hockey league where you could trample over teams and there were guaranteed win nights. There aren't any now. But oh, I think no. the other
3: thing, you know, one, I think the other thing is for a fan base instead of going into a season on a negative note with thinking we have no chance, the Montreal fan Mm. base, I think is going to go in with hope because of what they've seen. And I might be totally wrong.
0: Oh, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think Montreal fans have hope regardless. Uh, They'll have extraordinary hope. Now, if you watched any of the celebration after the uh, third round in, uh, (laughs) on the streets of Montreal, you know how they feel. about. They better not
1: get off to a bad start then. (laughs)
0: uh guys we thank you as always for taking time for us uh we appreciate it stay safe uh be well stay cool there Huey okay doing our best good to talk to you all thank you guys thank you guys we'll come back and wrap it after these messages so our thanks to Houston and Micheletti of course for uh, joining us on the program you you mentioned something off the top and we didn't really get to it during our conversation between the four of us but John Cooper, who oh, yeah. was on with us and is such a laid back good guy, but might be the most underrated coach, not just in hockey, but in all of sports. And yet, I say that believing that I don't really know how to quantify or qualify the significance of a coach. All I know is this guy's got good players. Yeah. But. Um, he knows how to deal with them. He does. Uh,
1: and I, that truly is his, his strength. Um, interesting. You know, we, we had Rod Brindamore on earlier this year too, uh, uh, Bob. Brindamore won coach of the year. The Cooper's team beat him. Cooper's team is probably going to win the Stanley Cup now, and Cooper's not the coach of the year. No, but you, you know the coach of the year voting know, in all, no, all know.
0: sports is, it goes that way. It's, yeah, uh,
1: and that's not a knock at Rod. Uh, Rod. It's about
0: overachieving. Based yeah. on anticipation. Yeah. Right. So, so,
1: yeah. But, so, but John, you know, John is affable. He's, you know, I, I'm sure he's hard nose when it comes to his players and they went, i tell you what, they went through cycles in the time that John took over, uh, gosh, his first game was in Winnipeg way back, I think in 2013, after Steve Eiserman fired Guy Boucher and hired John Cooper. Um, Uh, John Cooper went through his battles with these players. He and Steven Stamkos did not get along for a long time.
0: There was some talk about him being fired um, several years ago.
1: Well, Steve, when Steve was manager, they, you know, they were, there were times that uh, they, that Iserman thought they were better uh, than their, their final result in the regular season occurred. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup final. I remember being there in the Stanley Cup final in 2015 uh, Against the Blackhawks and and Cooper Cooper did everything right. His team just wasn't ready to win the championship yet. Uh, But then there was there were some down years and there were some disappointing years. And remember, I mean the the last play by the way, the last playoff series Tampa has lost was against the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they got swept in four games. Yeah, you, you know, and 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 there was a lot of challenge. What's wrong with this team? What's going to happen with this team? Yep. Co- Cooper has been able to uh, to, to galvanize him, his, his players, uh, the organization, they've done a, a magnificent job, uh, in, in that period of time. And he deserves, he does deserve a lot of credit. And it, you know, if you're, if anybody that's listening to the podcast, if you want to go back and listen to Cooper, he is, he is an
0: engaging guy to sit and talk talk to, isn't he, Bob? Oh, most definitely. It's the first opportunity I had to talk to him, uh, on a one-on-one basis. And, um, I'm sold. Yeah. He's got my um, vote.
1: By the way, you, you were, your belief uh, that uh, we're halfway through the Stanley Cup final. Um, by the way, th- there's two things. This is the first playoff game Canadians have played in 95 years that isn't at the Forum. That tells you how long they've gone between games. Yeah, Yeah. First time in 95 years, the game isn't at the <coughs> Forum. Uh, the other thing is only once uh, in Canadians' history uh, has the uh, visiting team skated around the ice in montreal with a stanley cup only once before so that's one of those great montreal traditions only once and that was in 1989 when the calgary flames did it uh, but uh, all those years and all the dynasties and that you know the the aura of the blue Blanque rouge and the flying frenchman uh, they were never they did lose some stanley cups but they didn't lose very many at home just once
0: Well, when it's two donut, you better win game three. Mm -hmm. And that's where the Montreal Canadiens are. And we'll uh, see how that turns out. Thank you, John. Have yourself a swell weekend. Yes, sir. Uh, And thank you all for uh, watching or listening. Uh, We'll uh, catch you on Monday. Goodbye, everybody. (music)